Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Christian one-liners. Don't let your worries get the best of you. Remember, Moses started out as a basket case. Some people are kind, polite, and sweet-spirited until you try to sit in their pew. Very true. Many folks want to serve God, but only as advisors. It is easy to preach 10 sermons than to live one. The good Lord didn't create anything without a purpose, but mosquitoes come close. I think that's true. People are funny. They want the front of the bus, the middle of the road, and the back of the church. Opportunity may knock once, but temptation bangs on the front door forever. I think that's true. Quit griping about your church. If it was perfect, you couldn't belong. Amen. Let the church say amen. If a church wants a better pastor, it only needs to pray for the one it has. Let the church say amen. Amen. I don't know why some people change churches. What difference does it make which one you stay home from? (laughs) Be ye fishers of men. You catch them, he'll clean them. Stop, drop, and roll won't work in hell. Coincidence is when God chooses to remain anonymous. Don't wait for six strong men to take you to church. Do y'all get that one? Because first service, that went way over their head. I think it was just too early. That means don't, don't come to, you'll be coming to church in a casket. So don't wait for that. You got that. Okay. God grades on, a cur- on the cross, not the curve. God, God promises a safe landing, not a calm passage. If God is your co-pilot, swap seats. Amen. Here's some on prayer. Don't give God instructions, just report for duty. The task ahead of us is never as great as the power behind us. The will of God never takes you to where the grace of God won't keep you. We don't change the message. The message changes us. The best mathematical equation I've ever seen is one cross Three nails equals forgiven. Don't you like that? And God doesn't call the qualified. He what? Qualifies the called. You know that one. If you've been with us over the last several weeks, you know we saw proof of God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called as he called the disciples, and he sent them out on their first solo mission. And God gave them dunamis, power, 
and he gave them exousia, authority. And keep in mind, he did not give them power. He did not give them authority to cast out demons or to heal the sick. He gave them power and authority to preach the kingdom of God. And he told them as they were going, don't pack anything or take money or take a sword because God wanted to teach them to trust him for their provision to have faith. This morning, listen, we're going to get another lesson in faith for provision as we read probably, I'd say, arguably the best known, well-known children's story in all of the Bible. It's the story about the little boy who gave his lunch, better known as the feeding of the 5,000. I've titled this sermon, A Dozen Cent, A Multitude Fed. Luke chapter 9, we pick up in verse, I better turn to myself. Luke chapter 9, we pick up in verse Seven, if you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Now, Herod, in verse seven, the Tetrarch, heard of all that was done by him. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead and by some that Elijah had appeared and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John, I have beheaded But who is this of whom I hear such things? And so he sought to see him. Saints, we have to stop right there. Give me your attention. Were you with me last week? And just by a show of hands, how many were with me last week? Okay, good. So many of you were. Those of you who weren't, perhaps there's CDs available. We record all of our services here at Calvary Chapel. But if you were here last week, you know that Jesus is currently in the area of Capernaum. And a few miles away, his headquarters, there is the headquarters of Herod the Tetrarch. Now, test time, students, what is a Tetrarch? And you can just yell it out. What is a Tetrarch? Okay, you all fail. A Tetrarch, write it down. A Tetrarch is one who holds an imperial office. Herod, the one who holds an imperial office. John, if you know your Bibles, it was John who stood against Herod's sin because Herod was sleeping with his half-brother's wife and his half-niece. Did you get me? That's Jerry Springer stuff, people. He's sleeping with his his half-brother's wife and his half-niece, John knew about it, and John rebuked Herod to his face, and Herod had John's head cut off and presented his head to the daughter of Salome on a platter. And so Herod hears all of the brouhaha about Jesus, how he's cleansing the lepers, and he's healing diseases, and he's casting out demons and raising the dead. And when Herod heard this, he was perplexed because people were saying that John the Baptist had risen from the dead. And so Herod is hearing all about this miraculous stuff going on, and his conscience starts to bother him. And Herod thought, John the Baptist is back. He probably went to bed at night with the lights on, He probably laid there at night thinking any moment the door is going to 
open up. And John, headless John, is going to walk through the door with his head on a platter. And he's going to say, Herod, look what you did to me. See, that's what I would do. Honestly, if somebody cuts off my head, I'm coming back. I don't know why I think that. So I'm coming back. I'm, that's not a part of the end times. I'm thinking either rapture or I die and go to heaven. Head off is not a part of the equation. So if that does happen, I will haunt you and I will make you miserable for the rest of your life. I'll come back. Look what you did. Maybe Herod's thinking John the Baptist has come back. No wonder he's perplexed. So some people were saying that Elijah appeared because the Jews were waiting for Elijah. You know that Malachi chapter four. If you're Italian, it's Malachi. Chapter four, you know, it says before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, God is going to send Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children to the fathers. And others would say in verse eight, Others were saying one of the old prophets has risen from the grave. And, and Herod was confused and Herod was complexed, uh, perplexed, knowing that he has beheaded John and he wanted to see Jesus. But Jesus had nothing to say to Herod. As a matter of fact, look this up in your own time. Luke chapter 13, right about verse 32, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, Herod wants to see you. And Jesus said, go tell that fox I have a short period of time to work. The night is coming. You see, Jesus had nothing to say to Herod. And later, Jesus stood before Pilate, and Pilate knew that Jesus was from Galilee. So Pilate sent him to Herod, and Herod sent him back to Pilate. So later, Jesus was in front of Herod, but Jesus didn't really want anything to do with Herod. Look at verse 10, chapter 9, verse 10. If you're looking at verse 10, say, Amen, saints. And the apostles, when they had returned, remember Jesus sent them out on a mission with Dunamos and Exusia? Well, when they returned, notice they told Jesus all that had happened. Miracle stuff was happening. And then he took them and he went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And Jesus healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the 12 disciples came and they said to Jesus, send the multitude away that we that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and, and lodge and get their own food. For we are in a deserted place here. But Jesus said to them, please underline this in your neighbor's Bible. You give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes unless we go and buy food for all of these people. For there were about, how many people, saints? 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so. And they made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And so They all, verse 17, ate and were, circle this, filled. 
and 12 baskets. Things that make you go, hmm, 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Saints, stop right there. The apostles had gone out, you know, from last week, the apostles had gone out preaching and teaching and doing miracles and signs and wonders. And doing miracles, listen, can wear you out. I mean, I know. It's really exhausting. Doing miracles, I do them every day. I'm just kidding. And, uh, but they can be exhausting. So they came back from doing this work of the ministry that Jesus sent them out to do. And they're pretty exhausted. Remember, keep in mind, these are the days before Amtrak. These are the days before Greyhound. These are the days before taxis and limos and subways and buses. They walked everywhere they went. So when they came back, they were exhausted and they needed a break. And so Jesus took them aside to a private place in the desert And they headed across the Galilee to get away from the people for a time of rest. But the multitudes, did you get this from the story? The multitudes of the people are following them, probably by boat, running around the edge of the shore as you look at the Galilee. And by the way, for those of you that inquired, we are inquiring about a trip to Israel. It's going to be awesome. Save your money. It ain't cheap. So they are probably running around the Galilee and they see Jesus' boat going that way and they're going that way and there's a big multitude of people and they're all on the other side. People are already crowded with people and, and there are more people coming. And so by the time Jesus gets to the shore, there's 5,000 men plus women and children. Now in Jewish culture, you understand this, Bible students. Jewish people did not consider in their counting And in many of their things going on in their culture, they never considered women and children in the number. So it says 5,000 men, many scholars. As a matter of fact, I want to say all scholars would agree that there were at least, counting the women and the children, there were at least 10 to 15,000 people. This is a great multitude of people. So the disciples are thinking, great, There goes our R&R. We're never going to get any rest. Matthew, you put the Gospels together, and by the way, are y'all listening? You put the Gospels together because this story of the feeding of the 5,000 is the only story in the Bible that you will find in all four of the Gospels. Very interesting. So it takes your understanding of all four of the Gospels to get a complete picture of what's going on here. So Matthew, Matthew's Gospel tells us that Jesus saw the crowd and he was moved with compassion. This word compassion is the Greek word splakaneia. Splakaneia? Doesn't that sound like something you cough up? Isn't it disgusting? That's like a disgusting Greek word. I don't know. It's, it's like Jesus was moved with <laughs> it's like 
It's something you cough up, man. It's a, he was moved with compassion. This word splachanea actually carries the idea of being moved in the deepest part of their bowels. It could read Jesus was moved in his intestine, which in 2009, that means a whole different thing than it did in the Bible. We don't need to go there. Should we go there? No, okay, all right, I'm just checking. So this word compassion, it actually means to feel their pain. I read a story. It's a story that makes you go, oh, it's not funny, but it's just, oh. It's a story of this little girl who was late coming home from school and her mother was worried. And finally, when she got home, her mother asked her, what happened? Well, the girl said, I stopped to help a little girl. Well, she was crying because her doll had broken. The mother looked at her proudly and said, that was very kind of you. Did you help her fix the doll? No, said the girl. I stopped to help her cry. See? (laughs) It just makes you go, oh. But she was moved with compassion. She was moved with compassion. Notice in verse 12, the disciple said, send them away. But Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Now, again, putting the stories together, Mark chapter 6, verse 34 tells us that Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Isn't it interesting how we see people and how Jesus sees people? Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. You know, when a businessman sees a crowd, he thinks, man, I can make a buck. Some preachers see a crowd and they think, hey, let's take up an offering. Uh, Jesus looked at this crowd and he said, man, they need a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on them. And he told the disciples to give them something to eat. Don't you understand? Listen, Jesus always has compassion on people. What is people's problem with Jesus? People don't like Jesus, and I don't understand why people don't like Jesus. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is loving. Jesus is merciful. Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is long-suffering. What is people's problem with Jesus? All he wants to do is love you. What's the problem? Man, you can talk about Muslims and Buddha and... Hinduism, and any other kind of ism, and it's okay. Which, by the way, none of these gods will do anything for you because David said they have eyes, but they cannot see, ears, but they cannot hear, hands, but they can't reach out and touch, mouths, but they can't speak a word. But Jesus, he sees a need, and he has compassion. He's a Awesome, lovely, forgiving, gracious, merciful God. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Would you do that? That's the God the Christians serve, a compassionate God. He looks at the crowd. The disciples say, great, messing up our vacation. We're trying to get some rest. We've been out there doing miracles and talking to demons and carrying on. And Jesus says, they need a shepherd. He has compassion on them. Now the question, so Jesus told them, give them something to eat. Now the question, why would Jesus tell them, you give them something to eat? Don't you understand? Listen to me. We are talking about the creator of the world. Are you listening? 
We are talking about the creator of the world. Jesus created everything, the Bible tells us, and all things are being held together by the word of his power. So he can create and do anything he wants. He tells them, you give them something to eat. Jesus could have given them something to eat. Jesus could have said, hey, everybody, reach it in your pocket and you're going to find a fish. And it would have been there. Reach in the other pocket and you'll find a loaf of bread from Panera, hot with butter. I haven't had lunch yet. And it would have been there. But he tells the disciples, are you kidding me? Are you tracking with me? You give them something to eat. So one guy, the Bible tells us, as you put the stories together, one guy, his name is Philip. He's pulling out his pencil, doing the math, and he says, we don't have enough. Another guy looking out among the people and thinking, we don't have enough. You see, Jesus wants them to understand. Here's why he told them you give them something to eat, because he wants them to understand that they don't have enough. So that they will have to look to him for their provision. Don't you understand? Sometimes God will let you get in a situation just to bring you to the realization that you can't do this without him. You can't do it without him. And also keep in mind, they are on the way into the ministry. And ministry 101 is this. You must have faith. You must trust God. And you must look to him. So Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Then in verse 13, notice Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they said, we only have two fish and five loaves of bread. And the closest McDonald's is 2000 years away. It's, it's in the Bible. It really, it's, it's in my Bible. I don't know about yours. Now, John chapter 6 in verse 7, you look this up in your own time, it tells us again that it was Philip who said, where can we get the bread to feed everyone? 200 denarii isn't enough to feed this crowd. And get the scene. Philip is standing there with his calculator in hand. He's counting heads. He's punching in numbers. He's shaking his head and he says, 200 denarii isn't enough. You see, Philip, here's Philip's problem. Philip is so focused on the problem that he doesn't even see the problem solver is standing right there. Hmm. And doesn't that sound like an all too familiar scenario? We get so focused on our problem, we don't even see the problem solvers right there. And, and we get so focused on our problem that we don't even go and talk to Jesus about the problem. They spend time with Jesus. They have been with him at this point probably a year and a half, almost two years. They've seen him do so many things. You would have expected the disciples. That's why I tell you I love the disciples because they're largely clueless. And that's just like us. Don't laugh too hard because it's just like us. You would have expected them to say, well, you know what? We don't have enough, but Jesus, you, you might want to go ahead and work a little something, something. They didn't do that. The problem solver is standing right there. Jehovah Jireh standing right there. You see, Philip's problem is he failed to add God into the equation. And we failed to add God into our equation. And that's why God doesn't do great things. 
You know, we think if I had more of this or if I had more of that, if I had more money, I could do this. You know, somebody once said, God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. I'm going to say that again because I like it. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. So then in John chapter 6, verse 8, I'm putting it all together for you. Andrew said, we have two small fish and five loaves. But then he said, what are these among so many? You see, these loaves, you got to understand something here. These fish and bread, this was poor man's food. Poor man's food. These loaves of bread weren't like big loaves of bread. They were very small, barley loaves of bread. And the fish wasn't like a big, chunky piece of tuna. It was sardines. So this is poor man's food. They said, what are these among so many? Jesus said, did you get that? Bring it to me and I'll show you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.